Welcome to Sparks of History, where world history and Jewish history meet. We are very, very pleased to have with us today Dr. Mark Seifer. Dr. Seifer is a writer, university lecturer, and handwriting expert. His work and his articles have been featured in numerous periodicals, Washington Post, Scientific American, Publishers Weekly, The Rhode Island Monthly, Investors Daily, MIT's Technology Review, and the New York Times. Dr. Seifer is the author of numerous books, uh, and today we will be focusing on this um, incredible book, which um, I had the chance, obviously, to read and to purchase at Amazon, which everybody can just go on to Amazon and, and purchase. Uh, Dr. Seifer is internationally recognized as an expert on the inventor Nikola Tesla, uh, and the acclaimed biography of the book here, The Wizard, The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla. Uh, this book has already been translated into eight languages, including Russian and Chinese. Uh, it has been called Serious Scholarship by Scientific American, by the Wall Street Journal, one of the five best books written on the brilliantly disturbed Nikola Tesla, which we're going to hear about now. Dr. Seifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Just to start off a little bit about your background and how you became interested in Nikola Tesla. Well, it all started in 1976. I was uh, working for uh, as a writer for two magazines, ESP Magazine and Ancient Astronauts. And I was writing an article on a Tibetan Lama his name was Lapsang Rampa, and he wrote a book called The Third Eye about a child who was the, uh, a psychic for the Dalai Lama. You don't find out until the third book that the writer is actually a British plumber and that he's uh, bringing in the spirit of Lapsang Rampa. So it was a crazy story. So I went down to New York to the New York Public Library to research Rampa, and I came across a book about Rampa and other avatars, enlightened beings. Jesus Christ was one of them, Lapsang Rampa was one, and this guy named Tesla. And Tesla, it's it said, had invented fluorescent neon lights, induction motor, wireless communication, remote control, uh, robots, and on and on. And it just seemed on, on that he was born from another planet, uh, the planet Venus. And he landed in Croatia in 1856 and came to the, the world to give us all these inventions. And I thought, well, I thought Rampa's story was pretty crazy. This is really even nuttier. But I was in the library, so I looked up the name Tesla, and I found out, holy crow, he had written an article on high-frequency phenomena from the turn of the century. I said, well, the guy's real. So when I got back to uh, Rhode Island, where I was teaching and living, I spoke to the editor, Howard Smuckler, who, in fact, I'm actually going to pick up the uh, train station. I haven't seen him about six or seven years uh, after this podcast. Um, and uh, so this is 1976. He says, oh, Tesla here. And so he gives me a biography on Tesla and uh, another crazy book about Tesla living on, on a spaceship circling the Earth, uh, working with extraterrestrials. So that's how I got introduced to him. But what I did at that point was I read the biographies by John O'Neill, who was a science writer for the Herald Tribune, Pulitzer Prize winning science writer. It's a great book, highly recommended. But there are big gaps in the, in the book. At the same time, I purchased a, uh, a book of Tesla's patents. It was a thousand pages of his lectures, articles, and patents. 
And I saw all these patents and there they all were. And I said, wow, this is a great story because I can, I can prove that at least this guy is real and that he really, at least he has patents. I now have to find out, is he really the inventor of wireless communication? Is he really the inventor of the induction motor for mode control robots? And I made him the subject of my doctoral dissertation as to why such an important guy's name disappeared from the history books. So that's pretty much how I got introduced to him. Excellent. If we could just set the scene with a very simple timeline uh, and talk a little bit about the early life and the early influences on Tesla. Yeah, well, Tesla was born in 1856 in, uh, in Lika, which is, I've, I've been there. It's about maybe 50 miles from the Adriatic Sea, or maybe 35 miles, but it's way up in the hills, and, and it's along a, a mountain, and then there's this giant field, which goes for miles and miles, and way off in the distance are the Dineric Alps. It's in the middle of nowhere. When I was there in 1986, there were actually, I saw ox carts, and Tesla talks about when he was five years old, they moved it to the bustling town of Ghostbridge. So, you know, you're in this farm area and you're thinking, well, he's moving all the way to town. And this town is five miles away. <laughs> it's right there. And it's a small town. Um, and so he grew up in a very small area. But his father was a priest and his mother was uh, related to one of the highest priests of, of Serbia, uh, living in Croatia. And so he's from an elite family, uh, educated elite. And they were military people in the family. So he became highly educated. And of course, he was brilliant. And so he went to uh, Graz University in Austria uh, as, a, as an undergraduate uh, degree. And I don't think he ever actually got his degree. And then he transferred to the University of Prague. And he studied uh, languages, uh, mathematics, and everything that you would study in you know, physics, um, electrical engineering, anything that anybody would study in college. But he was also an advanced mathematician. And one of the mathematicians, uh, one of the teachers took a liking to him and would give him extra, uh, you know, difficult questions uh, to, uh, to answer mathematically. There was a recent book uh, written by a guy, uh, uh, it's a Princeton University Press. And the guy actually says that Tesla wouldn't have understood Maxwell's equations. This is just crazy. If you look at Tesla's Colorado Springs notes, there were all these equations. I have no idea how to understand them. I mean, I've studied math. I was even a honors math student, and I can't understand these mathematical equations. He was a mathematical genius. So he went to the University of Prague. Uh, he never really finished. I think he did enough for himself. You know, it's in about 1880, 1881. But while he was in Prague, and while he was at Graz, he was introduced to the prevailing technology, which was called direct current. Um, now, in, in those days, in order to light light bulbs, you had to convert alternating current to direct current. The reason why you had to, to convert it was alternating current is exactly that. Alternating changes its direction of flow at thousands of miles a second. So if it's going back and forth like this, how do you make it go in one direction? So what they did was they added something called a commutator. What the commutator did was it removed the back and forth flow and just made it go in one direction, but it was highly inefficient. Um, and when Tesla got introduced to all this, you could only send electricity about a mile and then only for lighting homes and power dropping off at, over distance. So if you were in a village and you were close to the power source, your lights were bright. If you were a mile away, you had 
dim lights. You couldn't run a refrigerator or an iron or vacuum cleaner, forget all that. You couldn't do any of that. All you could do was light your homes. That's the world Tesla was in. He intuitively felt there had to be a way since alternating current was naturally flowing back and forth, there had to be a way to harness it that way without the commutator. And Professor, Professor Poschel said, this was an impossible dream. This is a perpetual motion scheme. You'll never be able to do it, Tesla. Uh, don't waste your time. And Tesla just felt intuitively he was right and spent the next five years figuring out how to do away with the commutator. And once he, so he, he started working for uh, a cousin in, in Budapest in 1882. And at that time, he had a revelation. He figured out how to do away with the commutator. And basically, in my book, you can read it. It, it takes you three or four minutes to understand. It took him five years. Nobody else on the planet could figure it out, but he figured it out. Uh, basically, what he did was he took two uh, circuits out of phase with each other and timed them. And the ultimate effect was that you could create a rotation, a rotary, which is the induction motor, and also a turbine, which would generate power. So this rotating magnetic field, he invented a way to do away with the commutator. He then started working for Edison in Paris. And Edison took a trip to Paris and met him in Paris. And then he came to New York in 1884. And he tried to talk Edison into using the alternating current, uh, his new AC polyphase system, his rotating magnetic field. Edison said, how can you, you can't, if current's going back and forth and back and forth, you can't harness that. Don't, I don't want to hear anything about that. I'm, I've been using direct current for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me about it. So they got into an argument. Uh, Edison owed him some money, which he never paid him. And Tesla quit. And he spent time as a ditch digger this was about 1884, and George Westinghouse got a hold of his idea, and uh, shortly about 1889 or thereabouts, uh, he purchased Tesla's patents uh, for equivalent of, a, well, in the millions of dollars, but in those days, he had about $500,000, which he had to share with his, one of his, uh, some of his partners. So he walked away with about a quarter of a million dollars and moved into the world of Astoria, and that was in the gay 90s. And the difference now between his system and the system that was in existence before Tesla, you could send energy about a mile, power dropping off over distance only for lighting homes. After Tesla, you could put his system in at Niagara Falls and then light the entire Northeast of the United States and you could run factories so you could transmit power. It's, be, it's like comparing a horse and buggy to a rocket ship. That's what uh, Tesla did. And he became world famous in the early 1890s because of this great invention. How would you describe Tesla's personality? Tesla is, I've read hundreds of letters, literally hundreds of letters from and to Tesla. He's got a great sense of humor. He's witty. Uh, when you look at his friends, his friends literally were Mark Twain, Rudyard Kipling, Stanford White, who was uh, his architect who designed Wardenclyffe, his great tower. Stanford White designed the original Madison Square Garden. In 1890, remember Tesla's now living, uh, he hadn't moved into the Waldorf yet, but he's living high on the hog. Uh, White designs Madison Square Garden. It's the tallest building in New York City. It's 300, he has a tower 300 feet high, 30 stories high in 1890. 
white uh, designs uh, here in, in Rhode Island, the Capitol building, it's incredible, uh, white marble uh, building. He designed the tower in Narragansett, Rosecliff Mansion in Newport. Um, he was the great, I think for me, he's the greatest architect of the last hundred years. That was his friend. And White had many, many friends. Uh, uh, St. Gordon's was the guy who did the statue of Diana. He designed the $20 gold piece. Um, so Tesla was a star among stars. Um, he was, his closest friend was Robert Johnson, who was editor of Century Magazine, and his wife, Catherine Johnson. And when you read the letters between Tesla and Catherine Johnson, they read like love letters. She certainly was enamored with Tesla. So there's a big question about his sexuality. Was he homosexual? Because he never married. Um, I really think that he was celibate. Um, he had many uh, female friends and many male friends. Um, he was good friends with Corrine Robinson, who was Teddy Roosevelt's sister. Um, he was friends with Ann Morgan, J.P. Morgan's daughter. So he's friends with many women and also friends with many men. Um, one of my favorite letters uh, that he writes to Katherine Johnson in 1901, he says, uh, what's the matter with ink spiller Kipling? He dared to invite me to some seedy restaurant in Greenwich Village where, where I was sure to see uh, hair and cockroaches in the soup. And you just have to laugh when you read a letter like that. So that's not a great sense of humor. He's a complicated guy. The fact that he's celibate makes him more mysterious. But I think he was a man about town. I think he was hip. I think he was the very definition of hip. How, how brilliant was Tesla? Or better yet, what was the brilliance? What, 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 what made him so innovative? And was it just the brain was working all the time? Was it innovation? It was seeing things that people couldn't see? This is a great question. It's really the question of what is the nature of genius? If you ask me about Edison, I think Edison was a genius. Um, Edison, uh, I'm not sure he invented anything. Uh, what he did was he built better mousetraps than anybody else built. There was a talking, uh, there was the ability to, to transmit voice, you know, with a record they used uh, like uh, black, you know, it's, you can catch vibrations, but he made the record, he did it. Uh, movie cameras existed before Edison, but he made the best one. He invented the microphone to the, uh, to the telephone. Um, so Edison, uh, for the most part, he, he didn't invent the light bulb. He built, he, built, he built the best one. So his brilliance and his genius was really making something much better than, than what it was. Um, look at Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs didn't invent the mouse, but the mouse is credited with Steve Jobs. Uh, so is Steve Jobs a genius? I think he is. In the case of Tesla, what's so different about him than most other inventors is that he's an inventor in so many different fields and realms. He didn't just invent in, elect in the electrical field. He had uh, uh, airplane designs. He had pumps. Uh, he invented what becomes the Osprey helicopter airplane. Uh, he patented it. Um, so people want to know for sure if he invented it. You can look at his patent in the 1920s of a plane that takes off like a helicopter and then rotates the, the propeller into the airplane position and flies like an airplane. He invented a flying wing. So, and as I said, his mathematics were unbelievable, just beyond belief. So I think he really was truly a genius. Um, I'm questioning myself about all this because Tesla had something called the dynamic theory of gravity. 
and very little information uh, about it. Um, in my new book, which I have a picture of it up there, it's called Wizard at War, I discussed Tesla's uh, dynamic theory of gravity. Um, it took me a long time to figure all this out. What, uh, what Tesla was saying was that the sun was absorbing more energy than it's radiating. Now, we've all stood in front of this, you know, at a, a beach or whatever and gotten sunburned because we stood in front of the sun too much too long. The sun is very powerful. To think that it's absorbing more energy than it's radiating sounds crazy. But I said to myself, if Tesla said that sun is absorbing more energy than it's radiating, I'm going to assume that that's correct. And based on that, based on my studies, I read a book called 30 Years of Chook Physics by uh, George Gamow, who was uh, one of the founders of quantum physics, uh, friends with Einstein, Dirac, and Sommerfeld, and all the greats of physics. I was able to piece together what Einstein called was um, grand unification. Grand unification is a way to unify the theory of whatever gravity is with whatever electromagnetism is and strong and weak nuclear forces. The strong nuclear force holds the nucleus of the atom together. The weak nuclear force um, holds, uh, what is it? Holds uh, the um, neutron together. A neutron is a, is a proton and electron inside the nucleus. So the weak nuclear force holds the proton and the neutron together, and the strong nuclear force holds the neutron together. Electromagnetism holds molecules together. Those three forces have been combined. How do you combine that with gravity? Einstein spent 40 years, the last four years of his life, trying to combine gravity with those three forces. I'm going to do it in the next minute. And then I want you to say whether or not I'm a genius. I don't know. I figured it out. Am I a genius? I don't know what the nature of genius really is. I don't totally understand. But anyhow, what Tesla was saying was that what, if, if the sun is absorbing more energy than it's radiating, that is his dynamic theory of gravity. He only stated it once in an article in um, uh, at the Herald Tribune to Joseph Alsop, who became a very famous reporter, uh, he and his brother, the Alsop brothers. And I figured that, you know, to myself, I said, well, why would Tesla tell this kid this giant secret? Well, Alsop turns out to be Corrine Robinson's uh, grandson. Corrine Robinson was Tesla's very good friend. She was Teddy Roosevelt's sister. So Alsop was related not only to Teddy Roosevelt, but also to Franklin Roosevelt, who was president of the United States at the time. So Tesla tells him this big secret, the sun is absorbing more energy than it's radiating. What I realized was that that's his theory of gravity. I never understood what gravity was. I always said, you know, and my joke is if you're in Australia, why don't you fall off the earth? And that partly I don't totally understand. But the theory is that, that all of matter is absorbing energy all of the time. Do you follow that, Harry? Mm -hmm. that, okay. So if, if, if the, uh, the earth is absorbing energy all the time, there's a big influx of energy. So the reason we fall back to the earth when we jump up is not because we're attracted to the earth, but because we're in the way of the influx of energy, because the earth requires the absorption of ether all of the time. That's Tesla's theory of gravity. So I'm absorbing ether, this, this chair is absorbing ether, my book is absorbing ether, everything is absorbing ether, but the earth is absorbing a heck of a lot more ether. 
And the reason why the, the, the moon is, is near the, the earth is they're both vying for the same uh, energy. And so they're keeping themselves near each other. They're both trying to absorb ether. So that's part of the theory. And that's Tesla's theory. But then I, I then I said, well, where, where is this ether going? And it occurred to me it was going into uh, the elementary particles, which are the particles that make up matter. So if if mad if the elementary particles are absorbing ether all the time, what does it do with that energy? It transforms that energy into electromagnetism. And so we're we're standing waveforms, we're absorbing energy all the time, and we're transforming that energy into electromagnetism. That's how you combine gravity with electromagnetism. I think that's the solution. It's not the mathematical solution. I'm not a mathematician, but I think that is the conceptual solution of what Einstein spent 40 years trying to figure out. So does that make me a genius? I, I don't know. I don't think of myself as one, but I think I solved something important. But I think Tesla definitely was a genius. <laughs>